starting a new series called A City on a Hill, really taking kind of our summer seminar series tradition and focusing it on answering the questions the world is asking, being there as salt and light in the world, having an effect on the people around us, and, and really focusing a little bit more on outreach, like specific, let's all go together at this time in this place, outreach. We'll tell you more about that as the day goes on. Um, in 1984, um, I, I wore a, a uniform that had a patch on its shoulder. And I know there's many in this room wore a similar uniform. Your Coast Guard or Army, Navy, Marine Corps, even the Air Force is considered a veteran in our nation. That's, a, that's an Army joke, I apologize. And only the Army guys laughed, you know. But for real, you raised your right hand, you grabbed your M16 and you swore to defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And for that, we are grateful. And for the, the sacrifices for those that we can't honor, just two weeks ago, we stood at the... The, the tomb of the unknown soldier that holds remains of people's sons, people's fathers, people's brothers. They don't know who they are because the mechanized warfare has created such a, such a tragic effect on the human body that they were unable to be identified. And those remains will lie there as long as there is a United States, reminding our nation of the price that was paid. Our flag today is at half staff. You'll notice out in front of the church. And that's that we as a nation, we as a body can say thank you to God and thank you to the families. Um, I'm reminded of Lincoln's second inaugural address where he talks about with malice towards none and charity towards all. Let us continue the struggle that we're in to bind up the wounds, to, to care for those who have borne the battle and for their widows and for their orphans, to continue this great work to be a nation that has charity towards all and malice towards none. And I, I just, I, I've been told that veterans don't like to be honored uh, to stand to your feet. And, and I know Jim Parkin always says, I feel like that Chick-fil-A moment where I go, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. So we're not going to honor the veterans by having you stand. We did this last year where I had asked everybody to stand but the veterans just to get even with Jim because I saw him in the congregation. But just know this, if you raise your right hand, we raise our hands to say thank you to you today. Can we do that? Amen. All right. So in 1983, I was trained in 1984. I ended up at Fort Hood, and I was assigned to the 1st Cavalry Division, 545th Military Police um, uh, uh, Company that was a, a combat MP. We had various missions, interrogating prisoners, convoy escort, law enforcement when we were doing our, our stateside duties. And we had 24 hours to be wherever they needed us in our theaters of operation, desert warfare, urban warfare, jungle warfare, and uh, Europe, most of Europe. And we always waited for the, the, the Russians to come across the hill. They never did. And I'm grateful for that. But if you go back in the history of that patch, you'll find a guy by the name of George Armstrong Custer. Anybody ever heard of George Armstrong Custer? Um, what is he most famously known for? The Battle of Little Bighorn. Thank you. I, those of you are like were math people, like the little two plus four equals 47. Yeah. The history geeks are like Bighorn. So at that battle with, with the, the first of the seventh on his shoulder, he heads into overwhelming odds, completely misreads the situation, which has made him a general, by the way. He was at the Battle of Gettysburg and charged into uh, Jeb Stewart's uh, Confederate cavalry outnumbered three to one and won the battle. So he's a stud and he knows it, but this time he's bitten off more than he can chew. And the meaning of that patch changed when the entire regiment was completely wiped out in one day. It wore that shame for a season and then kind of came back in World War II, came back in uh, Korea. And then in Vietnam, men like, like Basil Plumley 
Sergeant Major Basil Plumley and Colonel Hal Moore put that patch on their shoulder. It was a green and black one for the Bush. And they took it to war during November 14th, 15th, and 16th, 1965, and it was known as the Yadrang Valley in Vietnam, where they, they tested the air assault ideas. You guys doing okay so far? Like, what does this have to do with Jesus? I'll get there in a second. In the meantime, we're going to kill some people. Are you with me still? You all right? They, 110 of them got on the ground surrounded by four battalions of Viet Cong and Vietnamese regulars. And if you don't know, a, a company is, is about 100 people, Alpha, Bravo, Delta, Charlie, they were there. They came in in waves. And they, there was a three-day battle in which they formed perimeters, grossly outnumbered, tested tactics never before tested with helicopters and air assault and attack helicopters and medevac. And in the end, they, they prevailed. And the name of that patch, the glory that came from their works. Everybody say it with me. The glory that came from their works. Say it again. The glory that came from their works. I was born in September of 65. The battle took place in November of 65. I had no memory of it. But when I put that patch on my shoulder, how many guys know? I was, I was standing on the shoulder of giants. And when you put the patch on your shoulder and the uniform and you polish your boots and you stick on everything and your, your, your MP badge and your belt with your radio and your club and your, your weapon and you walk out onto the streets, man, you just, you just feel like you're part of something great. Are you with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, my, my glee club had the same thing. No, no, it, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a sense of I'm more than just me because I'm a part of something bigger than me. And in the same way, we're going to ask a question this summer that raises that question. How can my or our works bring glory to God? So that not a patch, but a name, the name of Jesus Christ that has suffered at the hands of Christendom, that has suffered at the hands of infidelity, deceit, embezzlement, um, burnout, and all the stupidity that comes with it. How can we make sure that, that what it means to be a believer in Fenton, Michigan means what Jesus wants it to mean? Are you with me? This is not a movement piece. Like, let's, let's all read for the honor of his name. But understand this. The way we live reflects on God himself. And Jesus teaches this. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to lay the groundwork, or start laying the groundwork, of our summer of working for the glory of God. Jesus begins to teach us about his unit, begins to teach us about works, begins to teach us about glory, by his glory, by the way, not ours, by saying this. You are the light of the world. Now, in verses 12, 13, 14, he says, you're the salt of the earth. Here he says, the light of the world. Now, let me ask you this. What does salt, sodium, what does that have in common with light? Like, one is a mineral substance that's not degradable. Salt is salt. It can be diluted and become part of something. It can affect the flavor or the composition of something chemically, but salt is forever salt. And we're going to talk why you say that because he talks about salt losing its saltiness. Salt cannot lose its saltiness. Salt is salt until it's diluted and is no longer tasteable. But he talks about salt. He talks about light. What does the photonic energy of light and the mineral substance of sodium have in common? Anybody know? Like nothing, right? Like I'm, I'm going I'm to get a laser beam made out of salt. I'm going to season my, my stew with a laser beam. What does is, what is energy like light and salt have in common? And the answer is simply this. They both have an effect. They are unignorable. They change the environment in which they are added. Darkness, when light enters, is no longer darkness. And, and a baked potato, before it has salt, is just a tasteless root. 
But even, even fat people can put salt on it. Come on. So in this, in this understanding, everything that salt touches, it changes. Everything that light touches, it changes. We have an effect. Salt and light have an effect. Light illuminates. I love, as a, as a teacher of the good news of Jesus Christ, I love as a father, I love as a pastor, when I explain something that was previously unknown, previously unseen, and the student goes, ah, I see it now. I, I had uh, lunch the other day with a, a guy. I just, if we're not careful, we're going to be good friends. But he has a lot of questions about God, and they're so wonderful. Well, how do I know? And what about this? And what's neat is if you've lived long enough and walked long enough with Jesus, you yourself have asked those questions and fleshed out the answers. So what took me 30 years to understand, I could put it in simple language. He goes, well, what about this? And I go, well, this. And he goes, ah. I, and you, I, it isn't just that I feel smart. It's that I get to see the student light up with what took me 30 years to understand. And in 30 minutes, they had it. That's what light does. Light takes wisdom, takes knowledge, takes kingdom principles, takes how things actually work. The, the things that are hidden from, from others in darkness, light brings it in. Every believer loves the words, oh, I see Jesus now, when they hear someone who didn't know him begin to say that. Are you with me? Like, that's a great moment. We talk about miracles. You know what the greatest miracle of all is? It is when someone realizes the love of God is greater than the sins they've committed against him that he's done everything to pay for that, that it is, it is a finished work. It is finished, paid in full. And their heart goes, I, I, I want that. And all of a sudden, they, have, they go from a knowledge of Scripture to a faith in the author of all of the words of God. And they know him. We glorify God by displaying the knowledge of our creator. Light in, enlightens, it, it, uh, it exposes. Psalms 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Well, what's a lamp do? It produces... Light, and it's a light unto my path. In other words, the wisdom of God, I don't know if you know this or not, but if, if the Proverbs have, like the book of Proverbs has like 30 chapters in it, most months has somewhere around 30 days, so you can easily read a chapter and digest those pieces anywhere from 10 minutes if you read it to 10 hours if you meditate on every verse. But I would encourage you this. How many of you guys know that the answers to the tests of life have already been given to us before the questions are asked? It'll tell you about morality. It'll tell you about who to avoid. You say, I'm supposed to avoid people? You read it. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Like the first four chapters, like, stay away from her. Stay away from her. Stay away from her. Which is funny because it's written by a man whose mother committed adultery with his father. But let's just talk about something else. But it, so uh, he probably knows, right? But in this, it talks about wealth and debt and forgiveness and who to bond with and who to avoid in relationships, who's dangerous, who's safe. Now, we're to love everybody, but how many of you know, if you want to prosper, hang with the prosperous. If you want to be wise, walk with uh, the wise, right? So in the same way, like it's all they're laid out for us. God's word has that. The whole world has to learn things the hard way. That's a wall. How do you know that? Because I just ran into it. That's why my nose is bleeding. But a believer goes, that's a wall, but that's the door. You don't have to bust through a wall when you can walk through a door. How many guys know the word of God and just... Just the light of knowing Jesus. You are the wisdom of Christ in you to the world around you. You're the light. Jesus continues. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And I, you, I please hear me. He's going to make a point, a counterpoint in a second. But isn't it wonderful? You ever been, you ever been lost? Have you ever been lost? I don't mean like in Kmart where you couldn't find your mom for three minutes. Remember when there used to be Kmarts? Anybody old enough to remember Kmarts? For those that are young, remember when you're in the Amazon store? You couldn't find your parents on social media, right? 
But I, I have been lost. I've been like a navigational school where they, like helicopter, middle of nowhere, Lanzetic compass, a map, and say, find your home in this amount of time, like lost. I, I, before the phone told me what to do next, you just guessed. How many of you guys are old enough to remember that? At the light, turn left. Well, it used to be like, do I turn left or right? And then you had to kind of, you know, flip a quarter, make a judgment call, feel your soul, and then ignore your wife who's telling you to ask for directions. And you turn left. I, I don't know this to be a fact, but I would imagine at least half of the social engagements of gas station attendants in the 70s were to give people directions that were lost. They didn't need gas. They needed, like, purpose. And the old people were laughing. The young people were like, really? Listen, I remember my son went to go visit his, his uh, fiance at the time who was working at a camp in South Carolina, I think. And so they, they had a couple of days just to kind of be together. And he had his phone in his pocket. They were looking at a waterfall. And he looked over. The phone slipped out. He called me on her phone and said, I need to get a new phone. I said, well, you, you lost the old one. How many of you it's a father moment, right? Well, I need $300 wired to me right now because I need a new phone. I'm like, or you can get a job. And earn the $300. He said, Dad, you don't understand. I'm like, well, no. See, I'm older than you are. Therefore, I, I understand everything. He goes, I understand. I can't find my way home. I just said, just buy a map. He said, I don't know how to read a map. And it occurred to me, that generation doesn't know how to read a map. Now, we didn't know how to read a map, but we still have it in our car. And we couldn't fold it properly, but it was there. And we didn't listen to it or our wife, but the gas station attendants that God put in our path led us that way. So imagine you're a long ways from home and it's a strange place and you don't know where you are and it's cold and it's getting dark and all of a sudden Jesus talks about this, a town, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. What if you came across that? You've been in the mountains, it's been cold, you're traveling, maybe you're running out of gas, maybe you're backpacking. And you know you can't make it through the night. I've literally been in a place where I was trying to light a fire because I was going hypothermic out hiking. And, and it was, my friend had brought up matches and he was trying to light the twine. The wind's blowing out. We're getting around him. I got wet on the climb. We climbed up three o'clock in the morning in the dark. Um, and it's really cold in the desert. But my, my, my body temperature's drop, dropping. My hands are shaking. I'm starting to feel hypothermic. I've been trained in hypothermia, so I know hypothermia. And, I, and, I, and, have dry, and he gets down to his last two matches. I said, Randy, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. How many matches do you have left? He said, two. I said, buddy, like we are in, we can't climb down and we're not gonna make it through the night in any sort of shape, if at all. These last two matches have to work. And he says to me after an hour trying to start a fire, he said, no, it's okay. If this doesn't work, I have a lighter in my backpack. <laughs> I said, what? You, what? He said, yeah. I said, why are you using twine and sticks and sparks? He said, well, that's the way Girl Scouts start fires. I'm like, give me the cookies. I'm, I'm a Girl Scout, right? But you see that. And that represents to you warmth, shelter, provision. Hey, think of it this way. Maybe you even belong there. And when Jesus is talking about us as his people, are you guys still here? When Jesus is speaking to us as his people, he's saying, listen, you're like, you're like that. There's a lot of people out wandering in the cold. There's a lot of people really not... Sure, if they're safe, if they're okay. The, the light's been flashing on their dash for a while. Their hands are starting to shake. They're down to the last two matches. And he says this, but that's okay because my people are to be like a city on a hill. And when people in need communicate or come in contact or, or find their way to my people, my people will provide refuge. 
and shelter and a sense of belonging. You still here? Listen, we're going to get into this in the summer, but I tell you, one of the most powerful things that human beings have that we seldom ever talk about is the need to belong to something. The need to belong to a, to a group, to a family, to a gang, to a, to a group of angry people on social media, to, to a, a, someone who presses a like button so we get our little dopamine rush every time we say something angry enough to get the angry people to like us or funny enough to get the funny people to like us, or smart enough to get the smart people to like us. We, we as a species, we were created to do life together. When it was Adam and God in a perfect world, God said, that's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. We were created to be amongst each other. Notice that this is one of the rare times where Jesus doesn't talk about the church leaving to go somewhere to do something. He says, no, just be. Literally, you don't have to go, and you don't have to speak, and you don't have to do. Just, just make sure that when you set the table, there's always a couple empty seats. Just make sure that, that when people walk to the door that don't know anybody, you get to know their name. Just make sure that if during the altar call you hear a couple of sniffles going on, somebody's being moved or touched or they're sad or they're hurt, that you don't just say, well, it sucks to be them, and you walk out of the room. You say, hey, I, I don't mean to intrude, but, you know, either you have, like, really bad allergies or something's up. Can I... Can I talk to you. How many guys know that if we have the answer, we shouldn't be afraid of the question. We have the provision, we shouldn't be afraid of the need. So we can engage people in this way. Jesus continues. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So I, I Google searched lamp under a bowl and got this. Now, why in the world, other than, come on, that would be kind of a cool lighting effect with the basket, right? That'd be, that'd be kind of like make out sort of lighting that I'm talking about. Little Kenny G in the back, and the ba- but when the basket catches on fire, that's because he face stops, right? But it, it illustrates the point that why, why, why even bother to light that if you're going to cover it up? Why even bother to light it if you're going to cover it up? Why even bother to give it if it's not going to be given away? Why even bother to create it if its purpose of its creation is never fulfilled? I want you to hear me, guys. You have a destiny. So I'm just not a people person. I don't care. You're a light person. I don't really like people. I, I don't care. People need you, your stinky, crusty, old, nasty, burly self. How many of you guys have had your life affected by someone who wasn't nice, but they were right? The hands went down. Ah, just they're wrong. You know, back to the military stories. My drill sergeant, I thought he hated me, and I still do. I don't know what aftershave he wore, but if you walk by me wearing it, I still kind of pucker. Like I can feel that adrenalized Sergeant Washington's here, Sergeant Washington's here. But I, I know this, guys. He had an effect on my life that, that exists to this day. And I would say the same thing. Listen, you are responsible to be you in this world, to shine who you are and to do what you do. I know people that are not people people, but man, they'll, they'll drop everything at two o'clock in the morning to come help you fix a flat tire on the side of the freeway. They're not people people, but they love you in their ways. Does that make sense? They're not people, people. They don't want to hang out and play bridge, but man, they'll, they'll make sure everything's clean, everything's right, everything's alphabetized. We need people like this. You say, well, who would light a, a lamp and stick it under a basket? It's kind of this duh moment. And Jesus is making that point. Like, no one would. God did not create you to hide you. So don't you let anything hide who you are. Don't let your insecurities, don't let your fears, don't let your past experiences hinder you this summer, hinder you this day and being who God made you to be. And he continues with this. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Boom shakalaka. There it is. Those aren't lamps, but again, Google search on a phone. Best I got, okay? What I'm saying is this. Like those candles were made for a purpose. Maybe two if they're scented. 
but at least one. Their purpose is to make darkness no longer dark, to illuminate the wisdom, the knowledge. Now, look at this. He's going to start wrapping up. You guys doing good? He says, in the same way. What do you mean, in the same way? In the same way as a city on a hill, in the same way as a lamp not hidden, in the same way. So he's made his point three times. Why does Jesus often repeat himself? I, I think because in repetition, we get stuff. You know, ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. We just said ask and you receive. We, it's easy to forget. But he makes a triple imperative and then repeats himself again for everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who finds. He's trying to make a point. Are you getting this? So this is a verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus moment. In the same way as a city on a hill, in the same way as who you are not being hidden by the world around you, in the same way as you bringing light to the world, he says this, let your light so shine before others that they see your, let me just stop short here. If you know the rest of this verse, don't, don't finish it. But they see your what? Now think about this. If you were Jesus, I want men to, to glorify the Lord. The, the, the purpose of this teaching is to show you how your works glorify God, how who you are reflects in a positive way who he is so people can see the truth, so they can see him, so they can be loved. You still here? So in the same way, in the same way, let your good works so shine before men, or let, your, let your life so shine before men that they see your car. Because people who drive a nice car speak of the glory of God. Is that what it says? Let's keep going. Your house. Because he who has an impeccable yard makes all the other neighbors look like idiots. Because he who has a big bank account and his big car with his manicure yard. Is that what he says? No. Let's go another way. For he who shows his diplomas and his degrees and his certificates of, of completion. Is that what he says? No. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your, your vacation pictures on social media as you live your best life now. So what's he say? That they may see your what? Come on. Good deeds. Good deeds. Come on, say it again. They may see your... What I love about that, that they may see your supernatural works of leaping over a tall building in a single bound, memorizing the entire scriptural content of all subjects. He doesn't say that. Listen, a child can bring glory to God. Someone with, without literally the, the, the physical, physical capacity of a brain can bring glory to God just by being. Did you know that? You don't believe me, talk to the Crummers about their daughter, Clara. And you'll, you'll hear a story of how a little girl changed a lot of lives without ever saying a word, missing 95% of her brain. Where her brain was supposed to be, there was just water. And her, and her mother said, I just, I can't. And the crummer said, we can. And that little girl that was supposed to be all giving, 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 all of a sudden that little girl didn't just take what was given. She started giving back somehow in ways that are hard to express and hard to imagine. How do we bring glory to God? It's the good works. And by, by doing these good deeds, we glorify our Father in heaven. When people see, they go, man, I just thank God for you. You know, we're like next week, we're talking about the back to school. Why are you talking about back to school? The kids are still in school. I know. But you got to realize if we don't jump on school supplies by the hundreds now, they won't be here in August. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking ahead. How many guys know that good stewardship is often thinking ahead? So what happens when a, when, a, when a mother or a father or both are trying to send their kid back to school and all they need is these few things? Because we all know that children need protractors. You know, 
They cost $8. They have a sharp middle point, and every fourth grader needs at least two of them. We don't know why. And I'm, if you're a teacher, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being, I, you've got enough pressure on you without me being stupid, but I think you understand what I'm saying. But our, these good works, we want to be there for single moms. We want to be there. We, wanna, we want to be so ready, so prepared with what the people around us are going to need that they see our good works. And they don't say, I thank God for Freedom Center. They say, I thank God for God. I just thank God. I just thank God. I just thank God. This is an interesting phrase, good works. The word uh, good is the word kalos, and deeds is ergon. And, and what's interesting about the word kalos is it, it means beautiful, but not, not a, like I, I was thinking this morning, I asked my wife if this is okay to share this. So I'm, I'm going to share this because I have, I have feminine approval for this illustration being applicable. I don't have a feminine side. She's over there. And she, so views expressed by the senior pastor are hers for the next, for the next 90 seconds. But how many of you guys remember the show Gilligan's Island? Okay, remember the word callous means good or beautiful or, or just, it actually means shapely. There were, there were three women on that island, Mrs. Howell, and we don't really need to talk about her. And then there was the movie star Ginger and Marianne the farm girl. Don't raise your hand. This is not a poll. We're not voting. But, but when you think about the words that normally mean beautiful, it's a ginger sort of a beautiful it's shapely. She's wearing a sequin gown on an island for 12 years. And somehow the professor made makeup out of coconut shells and, and lycra. Let's be honest, because it went, never mind, let's just leave it there. But, but she had, she's beautiful. But then there was Marianne. Now, I don't know where you're from, but me and my homies, we were Marianne guys. And why is that? Because at two o'clock in the morning, ginger looks like a barn that needs to be painted. And two o'clock in the morning, Marianne looks like Marianne. There's a natural beauty. It's not seductive, it's attractive. It's healthy, it's, it's vibrant. And he talks about this, that they may see your Marianne, not your ginger, not your performance, not your painted, not your moment to be on the stage, but they would see your life at two o'clock in the morning the same way they'd see it at two o'clock in the afternoon that the sincerity of who you are and where you're from and not putting on airs like you have money like Mrs. Howell because you don't or like you're a movie star like Ginger, just, just being you, asking questions, knowing who you are, being secure and pigtails. It's going to be a while before this head sinks pigtails, right? That they may see your good deeds, that sincere, beautiful picture of Jesus through you and they bring glory to God. Oh, you guys still here? Look at this. The quality of the work Jesus has done in me being displayed by the quality of the work Jesus does through me. That's it. That's the ballgame. That's the ballgame. Let the world see the quality of the work Jesus has done in you being displayed by the quality of work Jesus can do through you. Just like an oil lamp's created to, to shine. A worship team, join me if you would. In the same way, guys, this is what you're made to do. You see, I, I don't know about the works. Like this Thursday night, we're going down to the... Uh, to the community center. This will be our first one. For those of you that showed up last week, this will be our first one. <laughs> We're going to go down there, and I'm not going to tell you what time. I'm not going to tell you where to meet. I'm not even going to tell you much about what we're doing, because I want you to sign up to be a part of it. Now, that group thing, that will go to all the groups, but if you're planning on being a part of Thursday night, I need you to be a part of an email group so I can communicate to you weekly as things change. Someone has donated to us an office down on Caroline Street, right, right across the street from the community center. We get to use, this has a bathroom. How many of you guys could say amen? 
now we've imparted John's. We, we've, got, we've got a bathroom. We've got a place where we can meet, teach a little bit, pray together, and then go out and be salt and light in our community. And if you don't know where to be and what time to be there, and it will change from week to week. So you need to sign up. So take that, what do you call that, babe? A QR? QR code. There it is. Take that QR transformer looking thing there and, and sign up. I'm not saying don't come if you don't sign up, but you won't know where we're going to be or what we're doing. And it's hard to be a meaningful part of an ongoing process if you just show up and blow up and leave again. Does that make sense? But here's the point of the today's teaching is to expose you that, that this, this Thursday night, there's going to be, um, weather permitting, behind the community center, a concert. So I think like the high school jazz band and uh, maybe the junior high school um, you know, symphonic band and the elementary school three cats and a burlap sack band. Right? And, and we are partnering, we hope, in some way, shape, or form, we're going to be partnering with maybe the pump house, the ice cream shop down there, Uncle Ray's, or I'm just going to go and clean out the dryer store and, and start scooping up. But we have permission to come alongside that concert that night and just be with the families and enjoy them and feed them ice cream. Are you with me? So wait, wait, wait. What are we going to preach the gospel? The moment we give somebody a dish of ice cream, we're preaching the gospel. Now, will that ice cream get them saved? It'll feel like heaven, but no. Although moose tracks, closest thing on this earth, right? Come on. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to start building a salt and light relationship. We're going to start bringing back some honor to the unit patch. We're going to do what Jesus created us to do. And for some of you, that'll be praying with people. For some of you, that'll be serving ice cream. For some of you, you'll be sitting in the back of the, of the area and just praying. For some of you that are sheepdogs, you'll sit back with your earbud in, your gun on, just kind of watch around looking for, you know what I mean? But this is it. You be you. God's not asking you to do your imitation of a missionary if you're not a missionary. God's not asking you to be the imitation of a, of a preacher or a great saint of old. Just be you. God wants to use you, and God will not bless your imitation of somebody else. You are a city set on a hill. You are a city set on a hill. How many guys just want Christ to be glorified in you? And for Christ to be glorified through you, if I could do anything today, it would just be that the world would see him clearly through my life. That the presentation of the gospel would have been marinated in like a thousand demonstrations of the gospel. If you're here today, I just, let me just say this to you. You're like, I, Jim, I don't know Jesus. Like, I, I would hope that some of the things you've seen today might validate, you know, the prayer, the love, the concern. Um, and that wasn't like staged. That, we haven't done that in a while. Just, I just felt like that was in God's heart to do today. So this isn't my church. I just work here. How about you? <laughs> So I felt like the Father said it's time to come together as a family and pray for some people, so we did. But if you're here, you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm like one decision away. I'm, I'm one belief away from embracing the claims of Jesus, the forgiveness, the love of the Father, the, the, the fresh start, the born again, the newness, man. I, I would hope that everything we said and everything we'd done didn't devalue your hope, but it actually increased the value of that hope. Does that make sense? You look around the room, you see people from different generations laughing about different things, amen, in different parts of the story. We make fun of each other because that's what family does. And if you're too young to not know how to read a map, that's funny to my generation, but keep laughing because I don't want to use a phone. And, and we, we just enjoy each other. Some of us spent all winter in Florida and some of us we haven't seen in a while and some are the greatest generations. Some are, you know, Gen Zs, Gen Ys, Gen X, Gen, 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 Gen. You know what I mean? Some of us served in the military. Some of us protested the wars. I, but what brings us together is this. There's a commonality of the mercy and the love of God that's made us one. 
or, or that's our goal is to become one. If you're here today like, I don't know Jesus, then you have an opportunity this morning to receive Christ as your Savior, to receive the love, to receive the mercy of God, to start over again. How many guys, just be honest, how many guys could use, and, and this is like a salvation call, how many guys could use a fresh start every once in a while? Yeah, how, how many guys could use a fresh start this morning? <laughs> yeah. So Father, I pray for that. I pray that your mercy and your love would be so known in this room. And we would, we would say, man, what, the mercy of God, what has God forgiven me of? What's God forgiven me for? What, what is it that is no longer existing on my record? It is now lost in the sacrificial act of Jesus Christ, paying for my sins in a way that I could never, I could never pay for myself. What, is, what has he done for me? But I pray that we'd also ask the second question. Not just what did God forgive you from, but what do you believe God forgave you for? You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's qualified you to do. He's prepared you to do. And he's prepared the works in advance for you to do. And maybe some of those works will be this Thursday night down behind the community center listening to music come out of our children as we feed ice cream and take pictures and, and we serve and we clean up the trash and we take it with us when we're done. And we, we show them a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Father, I pray you be magnified in our lives. Church, would you stand to your feet? We have one closing song here. These altars are open this morning. If you're like, you know what, I, I would like to do more than a stand here. There's something that happens in me. Maybe it happens to you, maybe it doesn't. But, but when I move forward in commitment, when I, when I walk to a place, like it's just, I don't know, it's, it's somewhat humbling even. It's like the thing that would keep me from doing it is pride. So doing it is somewhat humbling. Does that make sense? I would, but I, I just kind of got like, I just don't feel like, but when you say, I just, this last song, I just, there's something symbolic, but there's something, a noun becomes a verb when it takes on flesh and has action in it. And I just, I just feel the need to move forward to an altar this morning for this closing prayer. Christ be glorified. Christ be glorified. Christ be glorified.